With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. On our sixth episode of the IV, we bring in Cubs number nine prospect, Dwayne Underwood Jr. And we will also talk about potential rule changes and our opinions on if they should do them or not. And for the fourth consecutive week, we'll be doing another segment of Inside the Numbers where we'll talk about fit. We talk about it all on our sixth episode of the IV. We'll be here with you for the next 45 minutes to dive into everything Cubs-related. If you like the Cubs, you've come to the right place, and we're extremely grateful that you took some time out of your Sunday to join us here. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right, we'll, we'll be talking soon to Cubs number nine prospect, Dwayne Underwood Jr., and then, we'll, then we're going to talk about some potential rule changes and then our opinions of them. And then we're going to wrap it up with a four-straight week of Inside the Numbers, where we'll be talking about fits. Lastly, make sure to call into the show by calling the number 845-277-9345 to join us and ask a question or comment on anything Cubs-related. And also, use promo code BPN10 on Stubyard for 10% off any tickets for every event, whether that's going to spring training uh, or the, in, in Arizona or for the Cubs home opener against the Pirates in April. So now we're going to be having... Hopefully, Dwayne Underwood Jr. call in. Uh, we're just waiting right now. But, Max, um, what, do you have anything to talk about Cubs-related that's happened over the last week as we wait for him? Yeah, so a few things that happened. Uh, so 27 non-roster um, Cubs players were invited to uh, spring training. Um, obviously, all the normal guys were. Um, and uh, we're just hoping to see that the rest of um, – we're just hoping to see that all of them improve during spring training. Um, a few of them to name off for you guys were uh, Dakota Meeks, um, Carlos Ramirez, Ryan Court, uh, Jim Aducci. Um, there's a lot of interesting guys. We'll see how they play out. All right, and we're still waiting for Dwayne, uh, I believe, to answer. Is that correct, Max or Benson? Do you know? Yeah, I believe we're still waiting. All right. Um, in the meantime, uh, we can talk a little bit about uh, Dwayne's performance. Uh, as for his uh, first game last year in the Cubs uniform, came against the Dodgers. And I believe, Max, he pitched four or five innings in that game. He gave up a home run. Um, what's your stance on Dwayne in our system as we wait for him, hopefully for the interview? Um, Dwayne's a fun guy to watch. Um, we saw him pitch out in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, like you said, um, he pitched well, um, only, Mm -hmm. only 24 years old. So, um, a fun guy to watch. I mean, hopefully, uh, we can see him in the majors this year, if that's pitching out of the bullpen or pitching in the rotation. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And so we still don't have an answer for Dwayne. So for right now, um, if that's fine with you, Max, we're just going to go right and do the first topic um, with potential rule changes. So the first one uh, that was uh, mentioned uh, for a possible rule change this year or coming in the next few years is a three batter minimum for pitchers. Um, So for me, I don't think this is a good rule uh, to implement. I think it takes away skills from the manager and especially our manager, Joe Madden, how much he likes to double switch and potential double switches in the game. Uh, How about you for the three batter minimum for pitchers? Yeah, um, the three batter minimum is something that uh, I really don't want to see. Like you said, Joe is a big guy of the um, double switches and um, matchups. Um, he, uh, as we saw last season, he brought in Justin Wilson against certain um, batters. And most of the time, he'd only stay in for one or two guys, and then he'd be taken out the next um, the next inning or even the next batter. So really, if, um, if that were to change, I really think it'd take a big part of the game away. And um, I think it'd eliminate a lot of opportunities that we have now. Definitely. I agree there. And so our second one is a universal designated hitter. Um, note that most likely it will not be in play until the new collective bargaining agreement in 2021. But, Max, what do you think about the universal designated hitter? Um, yeah, uh, the universal designated hitter is something I'd like to see. Um, I think it really even out the AL and NL. Um, as we as we saw last season, um, there was um, AL pitchers uh, hitting in NL ballparks. Um, it's not something you really like to see. Um, obviously, it's fun to see them, but if you if you're gonna tell me you'd rather see John Lester bat than Kyle Schwarber, um, I definitely think that um, that you wouldn't be telling the truth. Um, yeah, and I think really, if um, when the when the universal designated hitter does come. Um, I think we can both agree on this, that Kyle Schwarber will be one of the main guys there and um, probably one of the best guys in the NL, too, um, at that position. Yeah, I agree. I think especially for us as Cubs fans and having Schwarber, we definitely want the DH. And like you said, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for pitchers to be hitting. I get it that there's more strategy involved with um, sacrifice you know, sacrifice punting or pinch hitting, et cetera. But um, it's just a good publicity move for MLB, in my opinion, too, because people always talk about baseball being um, a boring sport to watch, at least people that don't really like it. But um, whenever there's more runs scored, it seems like more people are watching. So that's just kind of the way it is. And also, as far as stats go, I think it'd be easier to track and decipher stats between the two leagues, like you said, because there'd be a constant variable instead of always having to take into account the pitcher for the NL and the DH for the, for the AL. Yeah, I agree. All right. So third one is a single trade deadline before the all-star break. For me, I just don't really like, and I think you'll agree that like, there's just not really a whole lot to fix here anyways. Um, but yeah. How about you? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, it doesn't make very much sense. I think, um, it's perfectly fine as it is right now. Um, like you said, um, I don't think there's really been any problems with it um, at the end of July. But, I mean, it is what it is. They're always going to come up with something to try and um, something to try and fix. So, I'd guess that it probably won't happen. But, um, yeah, they'll talk about it, and it'll probably end up as a no. 
All right. Um, the next one we have is a 20-second pitch clock, and it seems like they keep trying to speed up the game. And as for me, um, I'm willing to give up, you know, a few hours out of my day to watch the Cubs, and so are a lot of other people. And if you're not really going to – if you don't want to watch it when it's that long, then just don't watch it. It's as simple as that, honestly. Um, so I'm a no on the 20-second pitch clock. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I did see something the other day, though. Um, I mean, 20 seconds, I feel, uh, that's that's not a very long time, especially if they need to go wipe off their hand behind the um, mound. I mean, get a new ball. Um, I mean, I don't know how all that would work out. But um, one guy uh, that averages um, – um, over, I don't, I don't even know what the number is, but he averages like 40 seconds to pitch, and it's in last year. I know it was up towards a minute too. Is Pedro Baez of the Dodgers, and we saw that. I don't remember if it was two years ago in the NLCS or three years ago, but we saw him just taking an absurd amount of time. So, um, I wouldn't be necessarily upset if they made it like a 40 second pitch clock because that's really reasonable. Um, it's, I mean, 20 seconds, I just think, um, really what they're trying to do is just continually speed up the game. Yeah. And also you mentioned that, um, with the 40 seconds from Baez, like that almost makes you think that a lot of these players and strategy within the game, just from this one single rule could change a whole lot and it could possibly change not for the better because all of a sudden some guys might not be able to, uh, you know, pitch. They can only pitch 80 pitches if they're having to pitch one every 20 seconds. Yeah. All right. Um, the next one I open up to you first, Max, is the expansion of rosters to 26 men with a 12 pitcher maximum. Um, this is something um I'd be perfectly fine with. I don't really see um I don't really see anything wrong with it. Um, especially having that extra pitcher um in the in the 11th inning or 12th inning. Uh, I know we saw a 17-inning game last year um, against the Marlins. I believe that was the second or third game of the year. So, um, like, in those games, it's always nice to have an extra pitcher. But if you have um, – one thing I don't like, and I think you can agree with me on this, is um, it's only a 12-pitcher maximum. So, really, I think mm-hmm. – um, so some rosters carry 12 pitchers right now. So you'd be adding another bench player that's just sitting on the bench instead of playing in AAA every day. So um, I'd like it if it was just a 26-man roster and you could have um, 14 pitchers. That that would be something that I would like because then you'd either have it split 13 pitchers and 13 um, hitters. Um, I just don't see very much sense with the 12-pitcher maximum. But, yeah, it's something that I'd be fine with. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the 12-pitcher maximum doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but um, expansion rosters is definitely something I'm always for, considering, um, especially like we talked about, uh, the fact that last week we talked about the Cubs' brutal schedule at the end of the year. Uh, we're going to need those expansions as much as we can. Uh, the next one we have is draft advantages for winning teams and penalties for losing teams. And for me, I kind of like the idea um, because – It'd be the first league uh, to give an advantage to a team in the draft for winning, which makes a lot of sense uh, practically, which is why I like it. But um, there's obviously a glaring weakness in this whole thing um, in that it would result, it would possibly result, and I would assume it probably would result 
and the same team is being the worst every single year because, um, I mean, yeah, you can get free agents, but you also want to draft your talent. And if all the winning teams are getting draft advantages and you're getting a uh, penalty for losing, it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. What do you think about this one, Mark? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the part of um, if... Like the, the if practical w- side makes sense. Right, yeah. But if winning teams are getting um, yeah. better picks or better players, how are losing teams ever going to develop players? Um, yeah. Really, the only way to to improve would be um, adding a big free agent, and really you'd have to add multiple. Yeah, and I think there could possibly be something where it wouldn't be necessarily like your draft pick, but you would get like maybe supplemental uh, late-round picks for like, you know, certain criteria, criteria hitting, you know, going to the postseason or something. Um, but not necessarily uh, penalizing the losing teams. But I think you could give in some supplemental late-round picks to some winning teams. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. The next one we have is a study to lower the mound. Uh, for me, I said I guess I'd be open to a study, but I'm not really sure how it would affect things and to what degree. So um, I, don't really, I don't think you really have to change the mound. What do you think? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess a study is a study. I don't, I don't really see the benefits to to this. Um, I think it's fine as it is right now. I think one thing is that um, I know I was seeing something that if uh the mound is lower, then it also um potentially be moved back, which would lead to um guys stealing more bases, even though it's half a second maybe. But um, sometimes that comes to be the difference. Um. Really, I don't see um, much sense in it. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't really make make the most sense to me. But um, yeah, they can go ahead and do a study if they want. I'm fine with that. But really, you'd have to change um, um, thousands of ballparks throughout the whole United States just uh, um, just because of a study, which which I don't know if that involves speeding up the game or what that really involves but yeah that'd be something that they they could look into but yeah I'm not I'm not all for it all right and then the last one we're going to discuss is a rule that would allow two sport amateurs to sign major league contracts uh, what do you think about that Mark? um personally I believe that uh really it's not a big deal um you see guys like Kyler Murray coming out of um college um who uh was drafted by the A's last year um, and is now going into the NFL draft. Really, that would um, that would give him more flexibility um, to be able to um, play baseball um, and earn the money that he wants if the A's were willing to give it to him. Um, I just don't um, – I think it makes the most sense because if a player is really tailing it at two sports, then um, – they could play both sports. Uh, it'd be really hard if you had overlapping sports, like um, not many sports overlap with baseball, but if you played in like the NBA and um, the MLB, obviously they'd overlap a little bit if you're playing in the playoffs. But um, sure, it'd be something that they could look into. Um, it'd be hard to do for the player, and I'm sure you wouldn't see very many of them. All right, and then for me, for that one, uh, I just don't really think it should be a thing uh, because I think a lot of people will start to do it and it won't become like an exclusive group, uh, just kind of like the way the NBA has lost uh, their positionality. It, all of a sudden, you're losing what each league's composed of a little bit. 
Um, but so next, um, let's see here. I think that we're going to be going to break uh, with an ad from Marlon's Catch and then possibly uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. will be coming on the podcast. So right after this Marlon's ad, we'll get right back to you guys here. In this week's episode of the Marlins Catch, we will be joined by first-round pick Trevor Rogers, coming live at 7.30 Eastern on Monday night. With JT Romuto finally getting traded to the Phillies, we will be breaking down the trade and what we got back from it. With the trade of Nick Wicklin and the signing of Curtis Granderson, we will also be discussing and recapping those as well. With FanFest passing us this Saturday, it was a great event and a great turnout. We will be discussing how it all went down on the Marlins Catch this Monday night at 7.30 Eastern. You guys definitely do not want to miss it. Uh, welcome back into the sixth episode of the Ivy. Uh, it appears that Dwayne Underwood Jr. will be available at 1.30, so in, in 15 minutes. So for that time, uh, we're going to do Inside the Numbers. <laughs> for the fourth straight race here, uh, we'll be doing six fielding independent pitching for today's sabermetric stat. Also, make sure to call into the show. Uh, at the number 845-277-9345 if you want to join us, ask a question or comment on anything Cubs-related. Uh, but, Max, first let's talk about FIP here before we get Dwayne in. It looks like about 8 to 10 minutes until we here so we can get in uh, FIP, but I'll let you open it up uh, about the third method. Okay, so um, FIP, Fielding Independent Pitching, pitching like you said, um, this is a set that um, I like to look at. Um, obviously, um, some people aren't huge on um, sabermetrics, and that's one reason I think both of us um, were in on this series. Um, and uh, as you guys know, we've done mostly hitting statistics, so this time we decided to do um, a pitching one. So pretty much what FIP is, um, it's similar to ERA, um, but it focuses more on the events a pitcher has the most control of strikeouts, unintentional walks, hit by pitches, and home runs. Um, it pretty much eliminates um, all bill, all balls hit into the field of play, which is um, if that's a single, double, um, or tri- um, or a triple. Um, so that's not counting home runs because that's on the pitcher. Um, really, you could count um, a sit. You could count. Um, a double as maybe a guy made a bad throw. So that sometimes that would go on the pitcher. Sometimes it would count as an error. Um, so here's a formula for you guys. I'll explain it the best I can. So um, so to start FIP constant, um, it's usually around 3.20. Um, so what it is is home run, home run, the amount of home runs times 13. So if a pitcher allows 30 home runs in a season, you multiply that by 13. Um, you then add three times the amount of walks plus hit by pitches. Um, so you're so you're up to 30 times 13, whatever that is. And then you do three times if a pitcher has 15 walks and 15 hit by pitches in a season. You do three times 30, which is 90. So you'd add the 30 times 13 plus the 90, and then minus um, two times the amount of Ks he has. So really, essentially, you're minusing that or a strikeout. He's getting the out where in a walk, a hit by pitch or a home run, he's allowing a run or a player to get on base. Um, And finally, you divide it by the amount of innings pitched he um, threw along with um, adding the FIP constant, 
like I said earlier, um, it was around 3.2 average last season. Um, it's different every year. So, um, Thomas, I'll let you get into um, an example or the top 10, whatever whatever you want. Yeah, so um, I guess we can dive into the top 10. I know we have about five minutes till the way it's ready, but so last year, uh, number one was Jacob Degrom at 1.99, and just as a scale uh, to just show how good Degrom was, from the range from one to ten, it was 1.99 Degrom to all the way to ten. Uh, the Phillies Nola, Aaron Nola 3.01 era. No, sorry, fifth. And the second guy in that list was 2.44. So DeGrom was about 45 points better than anyone else in the league. Um, as for a couple of guys, I know that when we do these top ten lists, um, we like to see a couple of guys that uh, kind of stand out a little bit. This list is pretty comprised of basically all aces. Um, you have Patrick Corbin at number three is a little surprising ahead of Max Scherzer and Garrett Cole. Uh, Corbin with a 2.47 fifth. Um, and then also... You know, underrated still, I think, Blake Snell at number eight uh, with a 295. Um, and then you get into the Cubs numbers. Uh, Cole Hamels, I know this is probably um, probably all year long, so it includes him on Texas. Uh, but he had, he had a 3.42 fifth um, in comparison to the top ten list. Aaron Nola at 3.01, like I said. And then Kyle Hendricks uh, was second at 3.78. And I say he's uh, he's second because Alex Mills is technically is technically first with his 2.79, but he only played in two games. So uh, Cole Hamels and Kyle Hendricks were the Cubs leaders in fifth last year. Uh, Max, do you have anything to say about that or the top ten list at all? Yeah, so um, a few things that I didn't fi- find interesting. Um, like you said, most of them are aces. Um, so actually when you look at ERA and FIP, or FIP, um, one big difference is sometimes you see um, players like John Lester. Um, you see um, pretty good um, ERAs. He had a 3.32 last year. But if you look at his FIP or FIP, um, it was actually a 4.39. So, yeah, um, yeah, that is terrible. So, really, um, it comes down to um, he was getting generally lucky. So, um Yep. Having that 3.32 ERA compared to the 4.39, uh, that's near. That's more than a whole um, run difference, which is pretty pretty crazy. You don't see that very much, um, and that's um, he. A lot of people say he bounced back last year, um, and generally, uh, I like to say that, but really, I think he got lucky because if you look at his 2017, he had a 4.33 ERA and a 4.10. FIP. So um, that's one thing I find um, interesting. If you look at players, um, I like to compare the, the two to see if they were actually um, as good as their ERA says, or um, if the FIP is way higher, like John Lester's was. Yeah, and <clears throat> Lester's one of those guys that um, if you pay a lot to pitching sabermetrics, uh, especially last year, that yeah, and I, I knew that. Top, John Lester was not having a good year, and a lot of people thought he was. And um, hopefully, you know, that he, he can bounce back. But when people definitely talked about uh, him, you know, on, like, some resurgence, I think they were a little misled there. And also, um, 
I want to talk about a little bit of an example. So if a pitcher has surrendered a high average on balls in play, the FIP will likely be lower than the ERA um, as balls in play are not part of the FIP equation. And the reason that balls are, uh, balls in play are not part of it is because it's believed that a pitcher has limited control over their outcomes. So uh, there's an ex- a little bit of an example there for you um, regarding balls in play and how it affects FIP. Uh, Max, do you have anything else to close out FIP before we uh, get to Dwayne? Yeah, so one thing, um, I, ju- I don't know if you guys uh, listening fully understand what uh, we're explaining. Obviously, sabermetrics are um, a lot harder than just normal normal stats. But one thing that I found interesting was um, Chris Archer, uh, he struck out 12 without allowing a walk or homer in eight innings. So um, just to show you guys, so like I said earlier, um, the walk and the homer in the um, in the formula is something that um, generally comes to play a lot. Um, so then, if you if you don't have any walks or homers, um, obviously that improves your FIP, especially with him striking out 12. So um, Chris Archer is a guy you generally see in the top 10 or 15. Uh, this past year, he wasn't all that great after being um, traded to Pittsburgh and in Tampa Bay too. Um, and it looks like Dwayne is ready now. Um, so we'll go to an ad, and then we'll have him on after. Tune in this Tuesday to Episode 7 of FanCast. Our host will break down the acquisition of JT Realmuto and what it means for the Phillies and their offseason. What's next in the pursuit of Harper and Machado? Make sure to tune in. All right, welcome back in to the sixth episode of the Ivy Podcast. Um, it sounds like we have Dwayne Underwood Jr. with us. Dwayne, can you hear us? Uh, uh, I can hear you. All right. How are you doing today, man? Uh, I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? We're doing well. We're really excited and really blessed that you came on the podcast here for us. Um, this is our sixth episode, but whenever we can get in prospects and players uh, that have experience, we always love to have that. So first question I have for you, Dwayne, is what have you focused on the most this offseason? Uh, well, a great question. Uh, no, this offseason, uh, I really, I really focused on my uh, my strengthening. I felt like last season, uh, I really, uh, I really took my conditioning and uh, and my strength as well. But I really focused on uh, focused on the conditioning last year. But this year, I really, uh, I really weighed in on the strength part of my uh, my offseason and um, and my throwing. And I'm feeling really good uh, about the, how I look coming into camp. Yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. Um, it sounds like you've uh, you've done a lot um this off season to improve. Um, do you think um that uh that you'll be up in the bullpen on uh, next season um at some time or starting or what do you think about that? Uh, really, I have I have no personal preference. Uh, no personal. Okay. Now, I I do uh I do enjoy starting, but uh whatever whatever the big league team needs, man, I'm uh I'm just ready for that call whenever. Yeah, so our next question for you is, um, we know you were up in the MLB last year. Um, a great debut against the Dodgers. Uh, congratulations on that. Um, what was one guy that you um, talked to in the bullpen or on the bench um, or on the play, plane to Los Angeles? Uh, I, when I got called up, I actually flew by myself from uh, Des Moines to L.A. So I didn't really, uh, I didn't really get to see anybody until I landed. But uh, me and C- CJ actually saw me that night, and uh, 
CJ Edwards, and he just came by, you know, just, you know, tell me to relax, you know, treat it like another game and uh, just go through my regular routine. And he was like, he had my back. So, I mean, that just, that made it more comfortable when I got up there. And the day of, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy. I mean, debuting in LA, that was yeah. a dream come true. And uh, looking, looking forward to this season and uh, hopefully many more games in the in the show. Yeah, definitely. We hope to see you up again. Yeah, so, and we'll get into the process more uh, behind that first start, Dwayne. But the next question I have for you is, who is the best player you've pitched against in your baseball career? And I'd assume it's uh, most likely probably one of those Dodgers players, uh, whether it's, you know, Justin Turner or Bellinger. Uh, you face Jock Peterson, Max Muncy, quite a lot of great hitters. Uh, who is the best player that you, you pitched against? Uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, that whole that whole Dodgers lineup was uh, – yeah, was really ridiculous last year, and they, uh, I think they had the most home runs in that month, or something ridiculous like that, over over a span, or some statistic they were talking about at the time. But I mean, I, I, I try not to give credit to to hitters because as a pitcher, you, you try not to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, just just that lineup in general, that was uh, that was a deep lineup, and I enjoyed facing them. I mean, uh. I believe pressure builds diamonds, and and those guys they're they're very competitive, and and uh, that, that that brings out my competitive spirit, and it makes me go a little bit harder. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so our next question for you um, kind of includes uh your past and your future, um, and kind of now too. So who has been the most influential player or even person in your life, um, growing up and today too? Um, just just going throughout uh, the minor leagues and in the show, who have you always looked up to? I mean, I mean, first and foremost, my, I mean, my dad, I mean, he's, he's been there for me through everything. And uh, I always, I always know I can call him. I mean, he didn't, he didn't play professional baseball by any means, but he's a smart man and, and a loving man. And uh, he's always done right by me. So I, I would say my father through, through getting drafted, through T-ball, through, anything my dad's always been there in my baseball career and and uh I hope he continues to be there throughout my life yeah definitely so next question we have for you Dwayne is what do you like to do in your free time I know we've had um, a few other prospects here on the show that you know they talk about a lot of Fortnite um on the road a lot of other stuff what what do you like to do in your free time uh I mean really off season I try to get outside as much as I can and uh you know, just do regular stuff. I mean, because when you're in season, it's a grind. You don't really get to do – you don't have the free leisure to kind of do the things you'd like to do during the summertime. So in the off season, I try to do those things, whether it's just going outside, going for a walk, going for a hike, uh, just going going to see some art, doing anything. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. I just try to be outside as much as I can. And then in season, I mean, a lot of video gaming with the boys, man. <laughs> a lot of video gaming yeah. with the boys. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it sounds like uh, you have a lot of fun during the off season while still putting in a lot of work too. Um, so our next question for you is, um, what is one piece of advice you'd like to give to um, kids um, who are currently pitching or kids that uh, who are still attempting to get into colleges or um, drafted this upcoming June? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, well, first of all, I mean – uh, make sure that that you know you're putting in that work every day. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, but 
you have when you wake up every day you you have the opportunity to either do right by yourself or do wrong by yourself and and you can make that conscious decision and and I believe every day when you show up to the field you make that you you can make that conscious decision to either show up or not show up and uh that's that's the best advice I think I could give to a pitcher position player uh I, life in general just check it when you're when you're doing something make sure you're all the way involved and, and see it all the way through yeah definitely that's um uh that's a great piece of advice um obviously we've heard some um different um different things from other players um so kind of regarding uh the advice to um what's one thing um what was it like getting your first start last June against the Dodgers um like how'd you feel? Um, just any emotions that, or anything that was going through your head while pitching or even before too? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm you're at your Dodger Stadium, so that in itself is is crazy. I mean, that's places you dream about playing growing up, and to have that be the place I get to debut was a blessing in itself. But uh, I mean. Really, you. Uh, all I really was trying to do is is try to keep my emotions even kill. I mean, because try getting too high, getting too low. That it's that's it's hard to play the game that way, especially at a high pace and at an elite level. I mean, these are the best of the best, and you have to be on your A game just as much as they're on their A game. Or you know, things can go bad, and and then when things do go bad, you have to be able to slow it up even more and take your time and. and and just really kind of work through it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was really everything that was on my, only thing that was on my mind was kind of just, just trying to relax and trying to make it as normal as I could for it not to be a normal thing. Yeah, definitely. All right. And then the last question we have for you, Dwayne, and this is kind of going off of Max's last question, but uh, what was the biggest difference besides talent uh, between starting in the minors and starting in the show. I know you talked about um, L.A., and obviously that's a huge difference. Um, but was it was it essentially just those nerves? Um, was that the biggest difference for you between starting in the show and starting in the minors? Uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's obviously more differences that uh, I'm not thinking about right now. But, I mean, I mean, crowd size, noise, the fields were nicer, the, it smelled better. I mean, it was it was just it was amazing. I mean, it, it's a completely different experience from minor league baseball to major league baseball. And I mean, the game's obviously the same, but it's everything around the game that's different. And but that's when, as a player, you have to be able to just bring it back to it just being a game. Yeah, and I actually have one more question for you, Dwayne. Sorry to hold you, but yeah, go for it. Um, with I can't remember who exactly caught for you. Um, but I was always wondering how that worked uh, with being called up and, you know, having to go with a whole different new catcher. Um, what, what's it like when you get called up um, from the, for the process of, you know, telling and, and having the catcher understand your pitches exactly? Well, that, that's, a, that's a great question. But I was actually, uh, I was actually blessed to have Chris Jimenez uh, catch me in my debut, and I had pretty much thrown to him the whole year in AAA. So okay. I, it was a, it was an easy transition for me from that standpoint, but uh, that's that's when communication comes in huge. I mean, definitely to, to answer that question best, uh, it, it, the time is now. Like in spring training, uh, when you're when you're in the locker room, when 
you know, you just got some spare time. Pitchers, pitchers tend to float towards their catchers. I mean, just casual conversation, just trying to connect on, on a different level. Cause I mean, you're right. When, when you have a catcher back there, you want to be on the same page. Cause if you guys are on the same page with each other, you're able to throw your pitches with more conviction. And, uh, you know, just having that, just having that mental connection, whether it's friendly or strictly business, I mean, you have to be able to relay that information with your catcher. And so the game can go as smoothly as you would like with no riffs. And, and if something were to happen, you know, instead of you facing it alone, you have your catcher back there who you can depend on and, and who's going to have your back. And that's, 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 that's nice to have out there. Cause I mean, it, it gets lonely on that Island out there. I mean, there's only one of you standing in the middle of the whole field. It's, it's nice when you and your catcher are kind of on the same page and, and you're able to kind Definitely. of work work together to you know defeat defeat your opponent and uh, Jimenez he he uh, he really helped me learn that and he helped me in my maturation process a ton and uh, I can't thank him enough. Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah. So relating to um, the catcher situation too. So um, do you have a lot of freedom uh, to choose what pitch you uh, wanted to throw? Um, if that's in the minors or even. Um, the start against the Dodgers, did you have a lot of um, freedom to choose what pitch you wanted to throw, or did Gim- or did Jimenez kind of lead you um, to what pitch? I mean, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy kind of he kind of led me, but I mean, me and Jimmy, like I said, we had a we had we had a background together, so he kind of knew what I wanted to throw. Uh, but we also have a scouting report we have to go off of, and. You know, if you're uh, there, the thing is, if you're going to shake a pitch, you need to know why you're shaking it, and you need to be convicted in what you're going to throw. If it's not the pitch that you know, maybe the coach and the catcher and you already agreed upon, and you decide to you know waver out of that game plan because maybe you've seen something, you need to have that conviction and, and uh, knowing to be able to go up and tell them you know what you were thinking and and what you saw versus just kind of shaking. I mean. I did guys. I, I think any guy who believes they should throw this a pitch, they should be able to throw it. I mean, you're the pitcher. Your your name goes next to that ERA, not the catcher, and and definitely not the pitching coach. So, uh, you you know you got to throw the you got to throw the pitches you want, but uh, but that also comes with communication, and uh, communication is huge in baseball, man. I mean, just being on the same page, same wavelength is is everybody. It's it's a beautiful thing, and that's when things really come together. Definitely. All right. Well, Dwayne, that's all we have for you this afternoon. On behalf of myself and Max, uh, we'd like to truly thank you uh, for spending some time with us today. Uh, we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the offseason. And obviously, uh, we really hope that someday we can see you playing at Wrigley in the Cubs uniform, man. Oh, man, I, I appreciate that, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh, I hope I get to meet you guys one day as well. Thank you so much, Dwayne. All right. Appreciate it, guys. You guys have a blessed day. You too. Peace out. All right, so we just got off the phone there with Cubs number nine prospect, uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. Uh, Max, as for me, uh, probably one of the uh, best interviews we've had on the show uh, so far. I'm really happy we could fit it in there. I know there was a little bit of a, a time problem there, but seems like, you know, just an amazing dude, honestly. Um, but, you know, what did you think about the interview? Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. That was probably – um, one of our best ones. Uh, um, great guy to talk to. Uh, super happy we could get him on the show. Um, yeah, not saying any of our other ones were bad, 
Um, but yeah, this this one was definitely one of our best. Definitely, and you know, it's also good when you hear him talk about, uh, you know, just the process of getting a catcher used to you um, being called up. You know, a lot of fans and a lot of our listeners probably, you know, like to hear that kind of thing of the behind the scenes process that goes behind just one single game out of 162. Um, and so now uh, we have about five minutes left. And I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the MLB considering uh, Cubs versus the Cardinals or Mets versus the Nationals for the 2020 London series. Um, I haven't read a whole lot into this, um, but I definitely have heard rumors about it happening. Uh, The Cubs and the Cardinals, obviously with the long and storied history of rivalry. And same goes for the Mets and Nationals. But, Max, uh, what would be your thoughts about possibly playing in London? Um, I definitely think it'd be a pretty cool way to, um, to, uh, bring baseball more throughout the world as it's kind of, um, mainly in the U S now, um, that's kind of most sports though, um, except soccer. Um, yeah, I think it'd be fun, but ultimately, ultimately I think it'll, um, I think it'll come down to the nationals and Mets as, um, uh, the nationals play in Washington, which is, uh, the capital and the Mets, New York, uh, that's a pretty big city. People probably don't know uh, the Midwest city, cities, Chicago and St. Louis out in London as much as they would know um, New York and Washington. But I think, yeah, I think it'd be fun to um, see the Cubs and Cardinals play there. Um, it'd probably be, I don't know, the time difference um, here and there. But, yeah, I think it'd be um, fun to watch them play there. But I think it'll, um, no matter who it is, I'll end up watching. But, yeah. Um, I'm hoping it's the Cubs and Cardinals as much um, as I really think it'll be the Nationals and New York Mets. Yeah, and we'll see um, this upcoming year. We'll see how it goes. As I believe their Yankees and the Red Sox are playing in London this coming season. Uh, so we'll definitely get a little sneak peek and glimpse of uh, what could possibly be in 2020. But you do make a good point with uh, – how the Mets and the Nationals are two more known cities with New York and uh, Washington, D.C. And as for the time difference, um, it's a six-hour time difference. Uh, so right now for for us here, at least for me, Central Time, it's 1.42 p.m., so it's actually 7.42 p.m. there. Um, so if they were to have a night game, uh, let's see, if it was at 7 o'clock game for them, then, yeah, it would be about 1.30 our time here, so not too, not too big of a difference. Um, and if they were to have a day game, obviously it would be like a 7 or 8 a.m. game for us here in the States. And then, uh, Max, I'd also like to talk, touch a little bit about what's going to be coming next week as for the NL Central preview that we're going to be doing for the podcast. Um, I know I'm really excited to do it. Uh, we'll be going through uh, all five NL Central teams, uh, about 10 to 12 minutes on each one podcast will probably be about an hour and we're basically just going to be diving into everything NL Central related, uh, whether that's transactions that have happened in the off season, some predictions, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, new managers or whatever. Uh, I'm really excited to do that podcast. Uh, do you have anything to say about that for next week? Um, yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm super excited um, we'll actually be bringing in uh, the whole owner of the Baseball Podcast Network, Benson, 
Um, he's a Pirates fan, and he's going to help us uh, cover the Pirates and what, what moves they've made this offseason. Um, obviously, it's been a slow one. Um, I don't know if I don't know if they had any coaching changes, but yeah, he'll be helping out with that. And um, we might also be looking into uh, seeing if we can get a uh, Cardinals or Reds fan or um, Brewers fan and to uh, help with the other teams. We'll see how that works out, though. And yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited for it. Yeah. So <clears throat> with that, Max, it's going to wrap up the sixth episode of the Ivy Here podcast on February 10th. We look forward to seeing you guys next week for our NL Central show on February 17th for our seventh episode. Uh, We cannot thank you listeners enough for tuning in every week. Uh, The specific time will be to be determined. We'll let you guys know um, on Instagram. I'm at CubsNation2018 and Max is at Wrigley News. We'll let you know throughout the week what time uh, the podcast will be, so keep posted for that. And lastly, a really special thanks to Dwayne Underwood Jr. for coming on the podcast. We really enjoyed that. As always, go Cubs go, and we hope you have a relaxing rest of your Sunday. Thanks, guys. The Ivy is produced by Benson Fetcher. The Ivy is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our hosts a follow on Instagram. Thomas at Cubs Nation 2018 and Max at Wrigley News. For more of the Ivy content, be sure to head over to our website at baseballpodcastnet.com and be sure to give the Baseball Podcast Network a follow on all their social media platforms Instagram at Baseball Podcast Net, Twitter at Baseball Podcast One, that's P O D C A S One, YouTube at Baseball Podcast Network, and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Ivy. We'll see you next week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.